Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of Balls and Whistles, Highland News and Media podcast focusing on what's been going on in the world of sport in the north of Scotland. I'm Andrew Henderson and as always I'm joined by sports editor Will Clark. Will, I saw you tweeting out earlier today that you've got some sort of music lined up. What is it? Let's just go for it. Have you got Euro 2020 fever, Hendo? Because I do. It couldn't really have been anything else, could it? <laughs> well, you know what? It wasn't the song I wanted to play. If it was a World Cup, it would have been this instead. But we can do that when we're off to Qatar next year. See, I wondered if you'd go final countdown because as this goes out, it's going to be the day the first match is on, a couple of days before Scotland play their first games, and the band was Europe. So I thought that might have been quite apt, but you went for the obvious one. That's totally yeah. fine by me. That sounds too smart for me. Well, what can I say? No, I stand by my choices. I, I can't wait. I'm counting the days. It's just a shame it's two o'clock on a Monday. I tell you what. We are going to have the earliest deadline of all time next week. I don't care if Cali Fissel sign Messi, Ronaldo, Suarez, all on the same day, saying, well, we've got them lined up at the Calistodian Stadium. You need to be there at three o'clock to interview him. I'm going to say, hey, Cali Fissel, no. I'm in front of the box. Well, you know what? Let's just start with some Euros chat, because I was going to come on to listen a little bit with Inverness Cali Fissel anyway, we actually got a question from uh, one of our colleagues, Andy Dixon, who's one of the co-hosts of Health and Lift Ness, just before we came on to record this, asking if school kids should be allowed to watch this match in school on Monday because it's such an awkward kickoff time. I know what I think about this. Well, you seem to be quite passionate about it as well as social media. Yes, yes, yes. It's an event of national importance. If the teachers say no, I recommend the kids to stage a queue, barricade the staff room if it's got a TV, and uh, just watch it. 23 years. These kids don't know what it's like for Scotland to qualify for a major tournament. I do. I was 15 at the time. Yes, it all ended in failure, as always, but I still remember it. These kids shouldn't be deprived the ecstasy and the agony of watching Scotland at a major tournament. You're going to say, get on with your work. That's absolutely not what I was going to say. I just, I, I was a little bit jealous of you there because I don't remember the last time Scotland were a major international tournament. I was two at the time, so I have no memory of that whatsoever. So it's not just kids that should be excited by this. It's the likes of me as well. I'm absolutely buzzing. And I remember, I think it was the 2010 World Cup being in class and thankfully our teacher was football mad and she put on the World Cup while we were there. Surely at this time of the academic year, the exams that aren't technically exams are all finished. The change of timetables have happened. Surely teachers can give kids a couple of hours in the afternoon of relatively light work so they can put on the match on the screens. Surely that's a thing. You have to. You just have to. It's the first time that you say in 23 years it's going to be a major international tournament. I remember loving it watching, I think it's like Mexico versus Costa Rica or something. I probably got the teams 
horribly wrong there but it would have been so much better if it was Scotland I can imagine what the atmosphere is going to be like in schools on Monday so it's a resounding yes from balls and whistles teachers let the kids watch this match please <laughs> Sturgeon declare a national holiday Monday why isn't it a national holiday I don't understand why? this it's not you know the country would love it after what we've been through not just the 23 years but the past 14 months uh, 15 months I think it is with the pandemic you know we all need a lift you know, even if it's only for like uh, 10 minutes before the Czech Republic take the lead. But, you know, <laughs> you know. Just the anthem. That's all we need. Just the anthem. No, I, I want the whole 90 minutes. Just say, uh, <laughs> give, give us the whole day off. You know, well, we're not getting a day off because we've got a paper to produce. I'm, I'm being serious. It's going to be the earliest deadline of all time <laughs> by several hours. <laughs> it's, um, National holiday. Sturgeon, get on it. I quite like that you've said that the country needs this after not just the 22 years out of a major tournament, but after the last year and a bit with the pandemic, because that's exactly what Charlie Christie has been saying in this week's newspaper. He's obviously had a youth development at Cali Thistle, legend around these parts. His son, Ryan, is part of the Scotland squad. We're all so excited to see how he gets on. Best of luck to him and to Stuart Armstrong, of course, another player who's based up here at one point in his life. Charlie's making the point basically exactly the same as you were. After the the period that we've had, the Euros are potentially a real inspiration and focal point that we can rally around over the next month or so, even more so because Scotland's there. It could inspire a, a whole new generation of footballers who, like we touched on before, haven't seen Scotland at this sort of level before. It has huge potential, bags of potential and he's also actually, on top of that, in his column in this week's Inverness Courier, just done a little preview of the first matches in the group. So well worth checking out for his perspective of that. It really is. It could be a turning point for Scottish football. So much has been made over the youth development over the last few years. We've seen loads of, of brilliantly talented footballers coming through the ranks. This could really help things kick on in 15, 20 years' time from now again. Like I said before, National holiday, it's got to be done. There's still time to do it. Nicola, get on it. I, I am old enough to remember the last time Scotland were at a major tournament, but you, you only have to go back as far as November when Scotland beat Serbia and you saw the reaction with the public, how much it gave everyone a boost to just to know we actually qualified for something again. I remember the 98 World Cup. I remember Euro 96. I remember Euro 92 even um, when I was nine and we beat the CIS 3-0, even though it meant nothing in the end. But it, 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 it just makes us summer. How many swallows make us summer? 11. Okay, that's not where I thought you were going to go with that. I don't really know how to respond. <laughs> no, I bet it's, it's, it's got me giddy again. Because you watch all these tournaments and you just so depressed that Scotland never made it. So to see them actually there, it's going to be fantastic. Also, Scotland versus England next Friday night. I'm a bit gutted it's Friday night because my job is Saturday morning, which means I can't drink beer. Well, at least you got your job rescheduled. I was going to check in. With ah, that. It's been weeks yeah. since you were talking about it on the podcast. Yeah, I can't, you know, I can't be cancelled for a third time, second time, I should say. Yeah. Probably best not to. Yeah, but I've been really giddy like all week about uh, Scotland playing the Czech Republic on Monday and just figuring out what formation would I play, what players would I play. You know, I'm quite an attack-minded guy. 
That's not where you're leaving it. I thought you were going to go and give us your formation in your team. You know, okay. I've got from, would you like to hear my formation? Oh, might as well. We're in full Euro fever at this point. Well, I'd go 3-5-2. I'd go two up front. Okay. Or maybe a 5-3-2. But maybe the most controversial pick in my team is Craig Gordon over David Marshall. I just think he's a better goalkeeper. I don't know what you think of that. I mean, David Marshall, he was a hero uh, in the penalty shootout in Serbia. But for Derby County, he didn't have a great season. Nobody at Derby did have a great season, let's face it. Yeah, no, no, I just thought he was a bit suspect at times. And yes, Greg Gordon, he, he played in the Championship last season, but I still think he's a t- the best keeper in Scotland. I think Celtic made a mistake uh, letting him go because he was certainly better than what they had last season. But I, I would just give him a chance. Rest of the team. You've actually got it written out. I can see you looking over. You've got this fully written out, haven't you? Back three, I'm going Andy Robertson. I'm actually going Declan Gallagher in defence as well over Grant Hanley and Liam Cooper. I just think he's a better defender. And uh, Jack Hendry really impressed me in the friendlies in the recent games as well. I'd start him at the back too. Left back, left wing. It's got to be Kieran Tierney, yeah. It's interesting you've gone Robertson as part of the three and Tierney at wing back when usually they play the other way around. I know. Here's the thing for me. When I've seen Tierney in action, he's always up front anyway. He's always and always poses a real threat, whereas Robertson's been a bit stagnant in recent games regarding that. So why not switch it a bit? Why not bring Tierney up front rather than Robertson behind? The other uh, right back, right wing, I'd stick with Stephen O'Donnell. He really impressed me against Israel. Certainly I'd choose him over Nathan Patterson anyway. I'm just going to put this out there. I think Sean Rudy should have been picked over Nathan Patterson from the squad. But there we go. It's picked now. Uh, but the one thing I want to see in this team is Scott McTominay in midfield, not defence, midfield. You saw the Europa League final, didn't you? Yeah. How good was he in that final, even for the Lord? For me, he was the best player in the park. Exactly. And it showed why he should be in midfield. Alongside John McGinn, in my opinion, Scotland's best player. Really? I, I, okay. Even better than Tierney and Robertson, I think McGinn is just Scotland's best player. I would love to see him get a move to the bigger club than Aston Villa over the summer. Well, he has actually been linked in the last couple of days with Manchester United, so he might be able to link up with McTominay at club level as well. You never know. What a great move that would be. I, I just I rate him so highly. He's, he's an absolute engine in midfield, but he's in a threat to going forward as well as uh, in defence. I just think he, he's the complete player. Not the best in the world, but I think he he's potential to be world-class. He's not far off it, probably. Um, but I certainly think he's Scotland's best player, if not mo- most important player. There you go, I said it. Now, behind the front two, I'm not saying this because he used to play for Cali Futsal. I'm not saying this because his dad writes an amazing column for the Inverness <laughs> Courier every Friday. But I'm going Ryan Christie. I think he's proven himself, uh, especially in a game in Serbia. And uh, he's always played well for Scotland too. Um, I know he got a bit of criticism towards the end with Celtic. People thought he maybe didn't realise his potential that much, but he's still a class act, isn't he? Although there is competition with maybe with James Forrest and uh, Ryan Fraser, who I think are both two excellent players. But, you know, I'm going Ryan Christie. Yeah, I think Forrest and Fraser are victims of your formation there, really. If you're playing four at the back with proper wingers rather than wing-backs, those two would absolutely come into the fray. But playing one behind two strikers, those two struggle more to fit in. It's the same with Callum McGregor in midfield. I left him out 
just because again, McTominay, you can't drop them, can you? It's a lot of talk about Billy Gilmore too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Steve Clark will start him. I think he's still a bit young. Uh, but this uh, is your team. This isn't what you think Steve Clark's going to do. I well, I agree with Steve Clark in that. Um, what Steve Clark probably won't agree with me is two up front. So are we looking at Adams and Dykes then? No. Oh, really? I'm choosing this bit over Dykes. Ah. I, I've kind of lost favour a wee bit with Dykes. I, I don't think he was the player. Um, he was against Serbia. He was fantastic against Serbia, um, against probably the most physical defenders in Europe. He absolutely bullied him. But in terms of um, just a, as a, a natural goal scorer, I see more in this bit. I see this bit as a poacher that will win points. Uh, and I think he'll play well with Adams up front. So, and maybe I'm a patriot as well, that I just want to see another player from a Scottish club in. Um, I'm pleased <laughs> this bit was chosen over Shantland, by the way, for the squad. But yeah, I'll go Adams and this bit up front. I think they'll do a job in all three matches. You're putting me to shame, Will, because I didn't even really expect to be talking about the Euros as much as we have. Never mind to have a full team written out. I, I, I don't really have much to contribute to the, to the section anymore. But just some of the things we've touched on there, you know, with, like I said, with the formations, potentially with Forrest and Fraser and McGregor, Gilmore, you know, Hanley, Dykes, potentially all missing out in your team, it at least shows that Steve Clark has options. And he can change things up depending on the opposition, horses for courses, that sort of thing. The 11 he could play in the shape that he plays in one game could be totally different to the next, and it would still be a strong team. So there's a lot of reason to be optimistic, I think, for Scotland. And like Rick said earlier, I'm just buzzing to see it actually get underway. Just look at the teams these players are playing for. Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United, Mullerwell. You know, all big clubs. I mean, you Super know, League candidates right there. Right, you know... It's great to see that these players are playing for clubs right at the top level. Um, even John McGinn at Aston Villa, who I think is destined for bigger things. And Villa had a really good season as well. Let's not forget that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I just think he, he's that good if he'd be playing at a higher club. But there we go. But yeah, I think we'll beat the Czech Republic. I think we'll beat England. There we go. Well, we'll beat England as well. And uh, because we've got six points, it'll be a dead rubber against Croatia. So. I'll settle for a draw for that one. Well, if you want, we can talk a little bit more about the England match on next week's episode of Balls and Whistles because the next week's episode will be coming out on the day of the match. So that'll be very fresh in our minds. We'll be very apt for that. Well, you're talking a lot there about players that you're big fans of, who you'd pick, who you wouldn't pick. I know that another guy that you're a massive fan of has just come back to Cali Thistle in Tom Walsh. We were both, I think, a bit surprised to see him leave last year and even more surprised to see how bad a season Air United had after he went there. It's great to see him back in the Highland Capital and with Dan Mackay leaving, could be a very important signing. I wasn't surprised to see him leave last season, but I was surprised he didn't end up in a top-flight club. Sure. Um, I, was, I know he want, the reasons was he wanted to be closer to his family, but I've said this already. During John Robertson's second stint as manager, Tom Walsh was his best signing. Two seasons ago, Joe Chalmers was voted as the press's player of the year. I completely disagreed with it. Um, Tom Walsh, for me, was the best player in that team. Joe Chalmers had a great second half of the season that year, uh, but Tom Walsh was consistent throughout. But yeah, I think he's tailor-made to be a replacement for Daniel Mackay, especially if he comes back as the player 
he was two seasons ago. The season before he left, he, he did struggle a bit with injury, but he did okay. But I think this is a major coup for Billy Dodds as his first signing. Daniel Bukai is going to be a big loss, but I think this is a replaceable player who should be playing in the top flight, in my opinion. But it's a fantastic that he's at Inverness. And, if, you know, it, it's a great start to, to the transfer market for Billy Dodds. And hopefully we'll see one or two more players like him coming in. Absolutely. And I should possibly say, even though I said that he's probably a replacement for Daniel Mackay, they are slightly different styles of players. Walsh doesn't have the same sort of explosive pace that Daniel Mackay does. Not to say that he's slow, but he's not a guy who will sprint past everybody in the opposition team in the same way. He's possibly more technically gifted than Daniel Mackay was. So I think tactically it might be a slightly different style in the same sort of position, but he's a top quality player. I cannot argue with that. He should be in the upper echelon of the championship, if not the premiership. He is a match winner in this division. He showed that last time. He has talked about his last spell at Cali Thistle being the best football he's played in his career. He wants to get back to that level. He wants to go past that level. I always forget as well how young he is. He's only 24. He's still got time to develop and get better and better. I think this is a great move that suits all parties and will hopefully pay off in a title or at least promotion push for Cali Thistle this season. You know, I'd say he does have a good burst of pace about him as well. Um, yeah, but Daniel Mackay is like next level in that sense. No, but I'm going back to uh, the first season he was at the club and there was they went through that t- period where they had seven draws in a row. Walsh was the guy that saved points for Cali Fissel. Cali Fissel maybe dropped points, but they picked up points and he was the main reason for that. If you go into YouTube and uh, watch his goal against Partick Fissel, I think that's a prime example of him just bursting upfield, working alongside teammates. It was Liam Polworth with that goal, but then getting the ball back and then finishing it off. I think that's just exemplifies what Walsh is going to bring to the team. And maybe it's something that's now missing with Daniel Mackay gone, but fantastic first signing for Cali Fissel and hopefully Dodds picks up uh, a few more. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the summer transfer window actually looks like for Cali Thistle. There still isn't a retained list out, so we still don't know exactly who's going to be leaving the club from the, the outer contract contingent. But because of that, we don't really know how many players Cali Thistle are actually going to be in the market for. But this, as you say, well, is a fantastic way to kick off the transfer market. Across the bridge in Dingwall, Ross County have also started their summer recruitment. We talked a little bit about Ross Callaghan last week. There hasn't been too much more news out of Ross County this week, but we did get the chance to catch up with him. So here's a little bit of, as it turns out, mostly in my chat with Ross Callaghan at Ross County. Consistently, and just 
waves totally just happen naturally. Just that my back just comes again with playing every week. But just consistency and playing and I think that's I mean that's the main thing. I always felt felt like I had a season like that in Morocco. Uh, but I just never over the last two years never really had the chance to, to show it. When you're in and out it's really hard to to get a good run of games and do well. When the announcement came in that you signed for Ross County, you talked about the club sharing a vision with you. What do you really want to achieve with the Stargies? Well, the main thing I think after last season is uh, Premiership safety. Um, and, then, and then after that's a bonus. Like the club are clearly didn't want to have another season like they did last year. So hope I can help them in that, in that, in that way and push off the day. And there's a lot of reports that there's a few different clubs after your signature, what was it about Kenny that stood out for you? Because they were just how much they wanted me, and they, and they showed that more than other clubs, and that was it for me. And I would I would go somewhere where I was wanted. I think most players will tell you that. And I've not heard a bad word about Roscoe. Everyone speaks very highly of the club and Inverness and Dingwall, so it was a no-brainer for me to come up here. Last season, obviously, had the disappointment of relegation, but it was such a good season for you personally. Do you still feel that you got a bit of a point to prove now in the top flight? Personally, playing the team, I didn't want to have another season like that last year because it was a wee bit bittersweet because I was doing well, but we weren't so sort of as a team, so it was quite hard. But I does, I'm always, I'm always motivated. It doesn't take me much to get beat, so um, I'm looking forward to the season end. Did you take over that press conference, by the way? You got in a lot of questions there. It's just the way it worked out. I mean, there weren't nearly as many of us on that call as there was for Marky McKay's unveiling, so we got a bit more of a chance to have a bit more freedom and ask a few questions. But I thought it was really interesting. The impression that I got of him there was very much that he's a confidence player. If he gets on a good run of form and he feels like he's got the backing of the manager and you know it's clear what is expected of him, he can really thrive. And we saw that in his performances with Hamilton. We're obviously hoping that he can do the same sort of thing for Ross County. It maybe sounds a bit obvious to say that if a player has the backing of the manager, he's going to be more confident to go and deliver it on the pitch. But you also see some players really rise to the challenge of proving people wrong. The impression I got of, of Ross there was very much that if he feels settled off the park, you will see the best of him on the park. So fingers crossed, everything goes well with moving up to the Highlands with new teammates, new manager, new tactics, new surroundings, all that sort of stuff. And we actually see the best of him because like he alluded to there, he's felt like he's got that quality and that number of goals in his locker for a while now. He's a marquee player. Yeah, basically. I'd go that far. I, I think he's an outstanding signer for Ross County and they've done really well to bring him up north um, because I could have easily seen him at a top six club, maybe even somewhere down in England. And he will provide the, the firepower from midfield to whoever who's playing up front uh, next season, uh, probably Jordan White, but you, you'd expect Callaghan to get a few goals as well. But, um, you know, it's a big reputation he's coming with. So a player of that stature, you would expect them to help Ross County get out of the relegation area quite quickly, quite early on in the season. Maybe look for mid-table obscurity. I don't know. But... Um, I'm surprised there's not been more signings this week. Ross County are a club that usually do their business quite quickly. But apart from Callahan, it's all been quiet on the Dingwall front. I think there's still an adjustment period um, with all the changes that have taken place over the last few weeks. One thing that 
I picked up on that I thought was really interesting when Ross Callaghan was answering someone else's question was that he hadn't actually sat down and properly talked to Malky Mackay yet. They had conversations with each other when he was coming into the club and, and negotiating his deal. But since signing, he hasn't really had the chance to sit down. And that took me a little bit by surprise because... I, mean, I don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes at Ross County, right? I'm not. I don't want to cast aspersions and say that somebody isn't there, somebody isn't doing their job. That's that's not what I'm getting at at all here. But Malky Mackay obviously ha- needs time to move up north as well, get that ball rolling. Calhoun is the first of these. I would expect to see more to come in the next week or two, partially because County have to. They released so many players. They need this rebuild this summer, and and they can't afford to hang around too long and leave it until the season starts because that's not far away at this point. Nope. Friendly's coming up towards the end of the month as well. Um, not sure Ross County have announced any of that as of yet. I know Cali Fissel have. Uh, yeah. They've got two. One of the 23rd. You know, it, it's not that much of a pre-season, is it? Um, or a, a summer off for the players. But yeah, and that, like I said, I think they need to get a defence in quickly because that was a big problem last season. So I'm quite surprised not to see one or two names already in. But uh, I'm sure they'll get around to it eventually. But uh, I definitely thought there'd be more activity than there has been. Yeah, I think just like I said before, out of necessity, I would hope to see something soon. I don't know of something imminent in the next day or two, but I'd like to think we'll see a, a bit more movement in the next week or so. But Will, you mentioned preseason friendlies there. Uh, like you said, we, we don't know anything about what county schedule is. We do know a couple for Cali Thistle, and one of their matches is against Clack Nacudden, who have been in the news quite a bit this week. You were down at Grant Street a couple of days ago because there's been quite a, a touching addition to the sideline. Yeah, it's my story of the week. Um, a tribute's been made to former player and manager Charlie Kennedy with a memorial which is, has been installed between their home dugout and the away dugout. It's quite a spectacular tribute, to be honest. It's quite a, a large picture of uh, Charlie wearing his clack kit. Um, back when he was a player and there's a sign in memory of Charlie Kennedy, a, cl- a club legend, I think it was. It was, And uh, I got to meet the people behind it, Peter Corbett, a former teammate of his, and Brian Ritchie, a former Strass Bay Fizzle manager, uh, who was also coaching at Clark as well, who was a great friend of uh, Charlie's, lived next door to him when they were growing up in Carbridge and credits him for um, being involved in football. And I also spoke to Charlie's wife, Anne, who saw it for herself and she said it was a real emotional moment for the family. It was just, it's just a terrific gesture. You've got to see it to believe it, how big it is and how impressive it is. But, you know, well done, Clark McCudden and everyone involved in the project. It's a really good story. Check it out in today's paper. You'll, you'll see images, um, but also once you see the Im- images, you know, try and get to Grant Street Park for a game and see it for yourself because it's really nice. You see tributes outside the stadium uh, or maybe stands named after people, but it's very rare that you see a a tribute like this near the touchline. So go down and see it. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't at the ground earlier this week. I've only been going by the photos that are in Friday's Inverness Courier, but it looks really impressive what they've done. Yeah, it's fantastic. It it was part of the refurbishment of the technical area, which cost over £10,000. Um, they got a lot of help from the Scottish Football Partnership, as well as Brian Ritchie, uh, the company that he works for, David Ritchie and Sons. It's, it's worth every penny. A, a 
fitting tribute to a man that uh, was really well thought of at the club. He was in the team that uh, won the league in the 1970s. This is a man that also scored 63 goals in one season. So he's definitely a legend at the club. Yeah, it's well warranted, definitely. As I said Clack have been in the news this week. Another reason they've been in the news is because they've overhauled their coaching team. Gary Facker has left the club over the off-season and they brought in two new coaches. There's Tommy Wilson has come on board, the former Strathspey Thistle assistant manager. And also Martin Callum is going to be combining his playing role with a part-time coaching role at the club as well. It's just quite a, an interesting development there. Yep, and fair play at the club for allowing Martin to take his first steps into coaching uh, whilst being a player. I think the role of a player manager is becoming less and less by the day, and that might uh, whittle down into other positions as well. But um, the club have allowed Martin to have a, a, a dual job description. Is that the best way to describe it? That's, I don't know if it's the best way, but certainly a way that works. <laughs> Can't argue with it. As long as you know what I mean, that's the main thing. Yeah, trained in the future to be a, the manager of Clacton Cutting and following the footsteps of Jordan. I'm, I'm not speaking about Jordan's demise, by the way. I'm sure he'll have a... He's only had two league games in charge. Let's not write him off before he started. I'm sure he's going to have a good uh, career at Grant Street Park, but it, it looks like a strong coaching team and uh, hopefully it gets the results in the park. Yeah, I, I spoke to Jordan earlier this week and he was saying she'll have the same sort of philosophy with football, which is important whenever you bring new blood into a coaching team that you're all on the same page. He talked a little bit about it being a fresh start for the club as well, which sounds a little strange considering he's only had a couple of league games in charge. But Jordan's been there for a while now. We just haven't had much action because of the way last season panned out. So it almost feels like a second new beginning for him. And hopefully it all goes to plan because we've got the Highland League fixtures out as well. It barely even touched on that, but everybody now knows what the schedule is going to look like. We've got Highland League action back next month. It's not far away. It's just exciting times. Yep, it's great. 24th of July, the league's going to start. Uh, Clark and the Curran are away to Inveruri Locos. That'll be a testing game because Inveruri are probably going to be one of the heavyweights again. But it's just great that we're going to have a full season again. Now with Brecon City, who are absolutely delighted to be playing in the Highland League next season. But, you know, it's great that uh, it's going to be a full season again, not not a reduced campaign. We hope, we hope, we hope. We're, let's take nothing for granted. Knock on wood. We thought we'd get half a season in the last campaign and the most any team got was three matches. Um, if you don't count, Brewer Rangers playing in the League Cup in the playoffs and all that. But, the job is on our side now, so hopefully we're all more resistant to whatever the virus is going to throw at us. But I'm, I'm looking forward to July the 24th as well, where clubs will be allowed fans again. E- even with the maximum allowed, whatever tier we're in, whether it's a 1,000 or 2,000, that's not going to affect Highland League clubs. You know, they, They'll be able to get back to normal capacities, which is good. You mentioned Brewer Rangers there as well. I just want to briefly touch on a few players who have left Brora. One of them is Paul Brindle and he's been in the Northern Scot this week talking about wanting to win silverware with his new club Forest Mechanics who there's a couple of pieces in the Northern Scot about Forest this week. They're gearing up to return to Island League football after sitting last season out altogether. It's going to be great to see them back in the mix. I think we touched on that before as well. I mentioned Brecon but Forest are back. It's a full 18 team division. Great to see. Absolutely wonderful. Yep. It's going to be packed. Maybe a few more midweek games, which 
I know a lot of clubs aren't that keen on, but you've got to fit them in. It's unavoidable, unfortunately. You know what? It's a shame Brora Rangers didn't get promoted because I think a lot of clubs would like to see it go down a 16-team league and the introduction of a Tier 6 league with promotion and relegation, which hasn't been finalised as of yet, but I believe is on the way. But that might be something to consider in the future. I don't know. I just know... There, there are clubs out there that are not a fan of midweek games just because of the cost involved. And I'll mention Nairn County because they've not been shy in mentioning it in the past. They don't like midweek games. They say less crowds and what costs more to operate the stadium. But you've got to fit them in. Well, you mentioned a potential Tier 6. Part of that Tier 6 would be the North Caledonian League. There's another round of fixtures this weekend. Things are, are really hotting up at the top of Division 1 title race as well and truly on. I mentioned the Northern Scott before. Over at the John O'Groat Journal, Thurso manager Stevie Reid has been pretty disappointed with his side's couple of draws in their last few matches. He thinks that might cost them the Division 1 title, or at least if they don't end up going and winning it, which at the minute isn't looking particularly likely, that's what he's going to put it down to. We'll probably talk more about the North Cali League next week just because title is still quite up in the air we still don't know exactly where it's going to go and we did talk a lot about the Euros I feel like we've done a lot of football Um, but I also want to briefly mention Inverness Caledonian Thistle Women are back in action on Sunday after seven months out they're hosting Stonehaven in a friendly for the start of their pre-season I'm actually planning on going along to that match so it would be great to see them in action again and fingers crossed they managed to pick up a win because it would be long overdue, even though there's no points on offer. <laughs> right, okay, let's move on from football, because that's more than enough football for this week, I think. Well, I know you've been doing a lot with golf this week. There's a big tournament coming up on Monday with the Amateur Championships coming to Nairn. There's also been a course record at Muravard. Tell us all about it. Where have you been swinging your club towards this week? Well, let's swing things off with Jamie Whittet, who uh, became Rosher County champion and did it by breaking the course record at Muravord Golf Club in the process by hitting a 61. Uh, he beat the previous record by one shot to lift the title for the first time in his career. It's quite a pre- it's a prestigious title, actually. Prestigious. I had a go. Um, the great thing was he hit a 69 in his first round and he was one shot behind going into the second round. A 69 is not too bad either. But um, he absolutely smashed it in the second round. Every time he had a putt, it seemed to go in the hole. And uh, the great thing is he's a Muravord boy as well. It's his home course. That's him in the history books. And it looks like it'll be in the history books for a long time because trying to hit a 60 on a golf course, it's not easy. And uh, it's actually inspired him as well to maybe take part in the Scottish Amateur Championships in July. So uh, congratulations, Jamie, from everyone here. And uh, Nairn, there's a quite a big tournament taking place next week, the Amateur Championship. And there's three Nairn golfers who are taking part. Well, we know all about Sandy Scott, the US Open player, one of the best amateur players in the world. We know about his younger brother, Callum Scott, who looks like he's got a very good chance of following in his footsteps. But uh, this week, I managed to get a chance to um, speak to Fraser Fotheringham, who Maybe nowadays less are known, but uh, certainly in past years, he was a very um, accomplished golfer. He was a professional player. Um, he's actually played in the amateur championship twice, but uh, he's no longer a full-time golfer. He now works as a deer controller in Nairn. But uh, he says one of his ambitions is to get his world ranking back. So 
he's maybe seeing this tournament as a stepping stone. He's certainly not lacking confidence. He's in it to win it. That's his words, not mine. He's certainly going to have a go. And being his home course as well, that's definitely going to have an advantage over the other players. So who knows? This time next week, we might be uh, reporting on a, a winner from Nairn who uh, will have the chance to compete not just at the Open, but the US Open as well, and the Masters too, probably. So best of luck to all three golfers from there. It's great to see hometown representation. Well, did I pick that up wrong, or did you say a deer controller? A deer controller, yes. D-E-E-R, not a deer, D-E-A-R, as an old woman, you know. Okay, that's really just not what I expected you to say when you started talking about him, but fair enough. Fingers crossed the golf goes well. <laughs> I just, where do I go from that? I, I have no idea. I just, okay. I, you've genuinely left me a little bit speechless there because that was so unexpected as far as I was concerned. But best of luck to all three of them and fingers crossed for near and golf course as well. The competition goes well because it's it's a big deal for them to be hosting. We've talked about that in the past and it'd be great to see some local talent coming out on top. And thanks to Colin Sinclair, the chief executive at Nairn, for the interview this week, just to do, speak about how preparations are going. It was a really good interview. Cheers for that. That's another one you can go and check out in this week's papers. Well, I feel like you've had the more fun, for lack of a better term, stories, because you were also talking to a mountain biking team who are looking to be competing on the world stage. Yep, uh, a team from Year of Ord called 555 Gravity are taking four mountain cyclists to Austria to keep competing in the Downhill World Cup tomorrow, actually. And one of them is a Kiltarlity teenager, Douglas Goodwill, 16 years old, uh, a student at Charleston Academy. What were you doing as a 16-year-old student? Were you keep competing in World Cup events? No, I really wasn't. I was probably sitting studying for exams because I was quite boring but he's paving the way isn't he yeah. it's a fantastic story about a teenage prodigy who's making his way up the world rankings and mountain biking teams operated by his dad Mark who has a real passion to finding the best mountain cyclists in this country and uh, giving them an opportunity to compete on the world stage it was hoped that he'd make his debut at Fort William earlier this year, but that was cancelled because of COVID regulations. Even when they went to Austria, they had to go into quarantine for, I think it was five days as the rule in Austria. But they're ready to compete, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they get on um, against uh, the best mountain cyclists in the world. In mountains even higher than in Scotland. I mean, that's not an easy feat in itself, never mind then going and competing in them in mountain biking. It's one of those sports we don't really talk a huge amount about, but it's great to see success stories from the north of Scotland. And you know what? I'm not sure you'd get this sort of story anywhere else. So make sure you pick up the Highland News and Media papers this week to read all about it and best of luck to them. Well, I know it's been a couple of your stories we've talked about, but I'm all out of stuff in my list. So is there anything else that's caught your eye that you've been working on or that I've been working on or you've seen anywhere else that you'd want to bring up? I just want to speak about the Euros, to be honest. <laughs> Who do you think is going to win it? The Euros or the match on Monday? No, the Euros. We know Scotland's going to beat the Czech Republic. But well, that's going- a given now, isn't it? Um, if, my, if, if Stevie listens to my formation. I think overall it's tough to look past the depth of that French squad. You know, I, I thought they should have won 2016. They obviously did win the World Cup in 2018. Having Karen Benzema back, although... He did pick up a, an injury 
during the week in a friendly. I'm not entirely sure what his status is. I wouldn't have thought the French squad could have been stronger than it was a few years ago, and somehow they are. So I think they would have to be the favourites. I think there's a few other countries with good squads. I also wouldn't put it past... I'm not saying Scotland are going to win it, but I fancy us to get through the knockout stages. And if we get through to there, it all comes down to what the draw's like. Anything can happen on the day. You never know. We might make it to our stages. We might do a Wales. You never know. I'm optimistic, maybe naively so, but I'm looking forward to this. I think we'll win our group. There we go. Beat the Czech Republic, thrash England down at Wembley, and then boring draw against Croatia atop the group is what you're saying. Yep. And uh, maybe a quarterfinal spot. You never know. You never know. I'm not saying we're going to win it, but I do think we'll get past the group stages. In terms of overall, I've got a sneaky feeling about Italy. Okay. I've read an article. In their last seven games, they've scored 21 goals and conceded zero. That's the kind of form you want. Right, but this is the thing. For one, who have those seven matches been against? Mm -hmm. And for two, you always see in international tournaments that a team peaks too early. I remember Russia doing this, what's the 2010 or 2014? Holland did it a couple of times as well. The team that dominates their groups and put loads of goals past their opponents tend to fizzle out by the time you get to the latter stages. I think their last game was a 4-0 win over the Czech Republic, which might be a good thing for Scotland. I don't know. It might bode well. But I just look at their form going in. I think they can't be discounted. If it's not Scotland that's going to win the, the Euros, I'd love to see Belgium do it. Um, that golden generation players they've got. It's just too good not to win a trophy as far as I'm concerned. I thought they were going to win the 2018 World Cup. They deserve to get beat by France in the semi-final that year, but I always thought the winner of that game would have won the World Cup. But uh, when you look at the, the class they've got in their team, like uh, De Bruyne, Lukaku... Hazard, even the likes of Den Donker, he's, he's a fantastic player as well. Tielemans, you know, you know, that's a team that's going to be a really dangerous as well. Yeah, when I said a few other countries have really good squads, Belgium was one of the first that came to mind. I just wonder if they are a tournament too late. That's my only concern with them because a lot of that golden generation are now the wrong side of 30 and we've seen Hazard has fitness issues. He's never really been right all season, basically ever since he moved to Real Madrid. So might just not be the right time for them, but they certainly have the talent there to do it. I think this is just going to descend into us talking about the Euros for possibly hours and hours and hours. So we better save some of this for future weeks, Will, and wrap up for now. I'm sure everybody else will be as buzzing about the Euros as we are, but we need to stagger these things out over a few weeks, knowing that the Euros are going to be on for a month at least. So I think then I will just turn to talking about the other podcasts that Highland News and Media have to offer. I mentioned Health and Liftness earlier on. Make sure you go and listen to the latest episodes of that. There's also a new Active Outdoors out recently with John Davidson. If you want to get in touch with them, find them on social media. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at balls underscore whistles, or you can even email ballsandwhistles at hnmedia.co.uk. Whether that's just to let us know what you think of the podcast, whether that's questions about some of the stuff that we cover, whether that's questions about the Euros, where at that time of the summer we're going to be thinking about it anyway. You might as well ask us questions and we'll discuss some of that like we have today. In the meantime, that wraps us up for this week. So go and enjoy the match on Monday. We'll be back next time. Have a good week and thanks for listening. Let's go!